Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Rabbi Dr. J.B. Sachs, Ariana Katz, and Barbara Ellison Rosenblatt. They are participants at the Great Jewish Books Teacher Workshop here at the Yiddish Book Center. Great Jewish Books Teacher Workshop is a program for secondary and supplementary school teachers interested in enriching their curricula with materials that reflect the variety and depth of modern Jewish literature and culture. Accepted participants are here at the center this week for a six-day program. Together they read, discuss um, key works of modern Jewish literature and culture, and working with leading scholars develop materials to introduce in their classroom in the coming academic year. Following the program, they'll share these materials with colleagues nationwide through a dedicated digital platform. Welcome. Thank you. Great to have you here, and um, I thank you for taking time out. I know you have a very uh, busy schedule this week. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think I pulled you away from the lunch table, so for which I apologize. <laughs> um, so I was wondering if you could each share a bit about um, what drew you to apply to the program and give us a little bit of background on who you are and what you teach. What was the first part of the question? Um, if you could share a little bit about what drew you to apply to the program. What drew you to apply yeah. to the program? Okay. So I'm Ariana Katz, and I am from Philadelphia. I run the Torah School at Colt Sedek in West Philly. And I found out about the program through Facebook, so go Yiddish Book Center social media. Uh, and I have been really thrilled with the kind of education that we have at the religious school at Cold Sedek, but always excited to bring in more stories. Our kids come from a really wide variety of backgrounds, and bringing in texts from the Yiddish Book Center, bringing in the resources that we're having this week, uh, are only going to further enrich what our students are learning. Uh, I'm personally really invested in Yiddish Kite, and so it was really great to have an opportunity to come up here and take a glorious six days just in Northampton uh, and, and taking time to read and, and get, uh, get better resources and recharge. Um, our teachers are really energetic and enthusiastic, and I think that that same rach is reflected here, uh, and I'm excited to bring resources back to them. Great. Um, Barbara? I'm Barbara Ellison Rosenblitt. Um, I am a teacher of humanities and Bible at the Weber School in Atlanta, uh, as well as being the dean of faculty mentoring there. Um, this workshop, I learned about it from a, a letter from Josh, who I didn't know. Uh, I think it was just a letter he sent out to, I don't know, every person whose name was listed in a do not call zone <laughs> or something. I don't know. And um, <clears throat> it had all the right words in it. It had the word book. <laughs> it had the word Jewish. Um, it, it had the word summer, which is uh, the time that teachers use to renew and re-energize and re-inspire themselves if they're lucky enough to be able to do that at a place that, that has something of, of quality and of uh, meaning and of the potential of personal growth. I, I'm a big believer in in summers being used for sort of personal uh, enrichment. And I know um, that comes back in one way or another um, into the classroom. It comes back in many ways into many different venues, but it 100% will come back into a teacher's classroom. So this filled that sort of selfish desire for me uh, to be re-inspired and renewed, re-energized, um, but I was especially interested because I, I honestly came hoping to um, 
to just be exposed to a whole new direction of how to use um, use materials that I, I didn't even know about. And uh, that's happened. And so that, that's been wonderful. The part that's always a gamble is who else is in the room, right? And sometimes the other people in the room, it, there's no question the other people in the room make a huge difference. A spectacular teacher can sometimes, uh, you know, make up for who else is in the room. But m- more frequently, uh, the people in the room bring a, a, a wealth and a range of knowledge and interests and so forth uh, that, that no one person can bring. And the room is just great. The room is filled with people who bring uh, so many different eyes to the page and to the ideas. And that has been a a, a great thing here. So I, I think I answered more than you asked, but <laughs> that's my speech. That's great. I'm J.B., and I am from Woodland Hills, California, in the greater Los Angeles area, and I teach at Day Toledo High School um, in next door in West Hills, California. Um, the school was just renamed Day Toledo as of July 1st, so it's been very recent. It was formerly known as New Community Jewish High School. That was the placeholder name they had to put on legal forms uh, until they could figure out what the name would be. Um, but it stayed that name for many years. And I heard about this uh, workshop from um, uh, Dr. Bill Arone, who is a one of the leading um, photographers, um, but who happens to teach at our school. Um, um, and it's interesting, his wife, Dr. Issa Arone, is one of the leading sort of professors and scholars of Jewish education. And... Uh, um, I've known him for a long time, but he sent this letter to uh, our entire faculty um, talking about this opportunity. And when I looked at it, something struck a, a chord. And one of them was that um, a lot of the reading I tended to do tends to be very specific to the subject matters I teach and am interested in. And I knew that I was going to be um, able to do some reading of uh, literature, uh, poetry, fiction, um, a theater that I wouldn't necessarily otherwise force myself to do, even though it's stuff I love and, and am passionate about. And I also, um, in addition to what um, my colleagues in the panel said, um, I, I was maybe a little less concerned about what I was would bring to the specific uh, classroom. Um, but because one of my other portfolios at the school is I'm co-director of Jewish Life, so I knew that I could have an effect maybe on being able to shape material into various forums of uh, full school or, or class um, uh, presentations and, and meetings and things to do education different ways or to help clubs and other groups um, use um, um, this thinking about modern Jewish culture and its adaptability and its ongoing evolution in ways that students could be part of the dialogue and and conversation about what is Jewish identity and what is Jewish culture. So I was very excited about that opportunity as well. And um, uh, like my colleagues, I... Not only have I not been disappointed, but I am, you know, startled and, and in <laughs> awe of, of the people around me and, um, uh, and the um, assemblage of, of staff, um, starting with Josh uh, Lambert, um, who is a tremendous mm-hmm. 
budding young scholar in his own right, but but incredibly gifted in helping us to um, gear our conversations and the work that we're doing this week. And it's just been an unbelievably enriching and continues to be an enriching experience. Yeah. Josh Lambert is our academic director here at the Yiddish Book Center. And yeah, he's an amazing, <laughs> amazing person. Ditto. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'd, I'd like to ask you quickly, um, what kind of texts have you been reading and um, discussing this week and being inspired by? Can you quickly go around? You don't have to do it in order. You can go randomly. Well, I'll start because the one that um, uh, I know I'll bring back with me and the one with which I, with some embarrassment, say I was unfamiliar before I came and the one that is still uh, sitting heavy on me is Defender of the Faith by Philip Roth, a story back from 1959 written by a young 25-year-old, which I did not know, um, and it uh, it it stimulated so much um, history, memory, and personal memory. My own father is a GI, and um, uh, brought up such contemporary issues, um, and so it in and of itself, and and was the result of such a stunning, uh, stunningly gifted uh, fiction writer. Um, and it's such a pleasure to read good fiction. Um, uh, but the, the really powerful part of it were the letters that came in from irate Jews uh, reading uh, uh, perhaps unflattering images of themselves uh, and reacting. That discussion, those letters, the language of the letters, that discussion and most strikingly Philip Roth's response to them is something that I cannot wait to bring to my class and I'm so uh, if if nothing more uh, the discussion the first day of that one story has been um, something that uh, uh, filled me with that sort of awe you hope for when you're learning something which is oh I didn't know you know <laughs> what what is Jacob's line I'm uh, that this was a holy place, and I, I didn't know. So that's how I felt about entering that text with the group that we were with. So I, I took that one, so now you'll have to choose another. <laughs> um, I think the thing I struggle with, which I, is a growing edge for me as a rabbinical student, is getting the names associated with the text right. Um, so yesterday we read uh, the poem about the Akedah with uh-huh. Risa, the Yiddish instructor. Right? Uh-huh. Do you remember the name of the or the author of the piece? Oh. Uh, the author of the poem about the Akedah. I was a bear stopper, I believe. Mm. Okay, and, and who wrote it? Chava Elberstein sort of did right did the singing. Right. Yeah. So that that's, I knew because I walked by that class. <laughs> so okay, so Risa, the the Yiddish uh, educator uh, at the book center, Asia, Asia, Asia was See, teaching the that. names. Yeah, okay, it's really yeah. a growing yeah. edge. Right. Uh, so Asia came into our into our group yesterday uh, and led us through um, some explorations of of song and music. And so Bear Stopper, um, which was set to music by uh, Chava Alperstein. Stein, we're going to get there, y'all. Um, so, uh, so I was really grateful for that because um, the music to which this 
this poem was set and the arrangement was so heartbreaking. And I was grateful for um, all the different layers that we were able to use to reflect uh, on that piece. And I think a good lesson lets you access the emotional and the historical uh, and the, the social mm -hmm. ways that uh, students engage with a piece. And so the pedagogy that we've been able to see modeled in this week has been really wonderful. Um, and so the the arrangement of this piece uh, is is mournful and uh, could be seen as as angry, uh, but uh, is a truly heartbreaking way to engage with the story of the Binding of Isaac. Um, and I, I was I was very moved at the way we've seen a lot this week uh, that liturgy and stories from from Torah are layered on with the Jewish experience post-Torah um, through history and including heartbreak pre-Shoah and then what a post-Shoah world looks like and how to engage with that pain um, and, and seeing that these stories that we teach our students can anchor us through our lives today and not just through uh, the stories themselves in a vacuum. Uh, and I was really grateful to, to study with Barbara about that because we were uh, we engaged with them uh, with that text in different ways, but we had both studied them separately recently um, with more rabbinic and, and midrashic uh, lens. I also got an art history lesson, which was a wonderful <laughs> moment of teachers teaching teachers uh, and, and looking at different graphic representations of the Akedah. Ah. And... And I, I, both of those texts were very rich discussions <laughs> for me as well. And um, not only have we been reading some of the texts, but we've also been able to uh, read and discuss some of the scholarship um, that uh, some of the text has engendered uh, in the Jewish community. Um, uh, and I would say a, a couple of things. One is that um, uh, we were breaking down into groups and uh, one um, for and each given uh, each group was given a text so it was one that maybe wasn't shared by everyone but um, the text that my group is working on is a parable by Franz Kafka called Before the Law mm -hmm. and it's very rich and uh, deep and very provocative and uh, it was interesting because in the group we found at least seven different uses for it and, uh, and, and as well as various interpretations and uh, what would be might be the goals of the author and and who the people uh, the two characters what who they might be or how they might be a representational of and what is authority and who gives authority and how is it wielded and how is it perceived whether it's wielded or not and so many issues came up about this very simple text with only one person whose voice is heard and another person who's fairly silent and they're the only two characters in in a text so that was sort of a a powerful uh, text for me, but I, I would say that all of the texts we've been doing, I can't think of uh, of a text that we really looked at offhand that really didn't really provoke such great discussion for me or or couldn't be used by someone in my school, if, uh, if not me, for depending on the subject matter or, or the event at which it might be used. Yeah. Um, it sort of segues into two questions I had for you, um, and one is... Um, to ask all of you, how do you see this playing out in your classrooms in, in the coming year? And also, I, I know that part of this program, you'll work collaboratively in the following the program on curricula development. So it's interesting that, yeah, you, I'm sure you all bring different ways of looking at things. And how do you see all of this playing out, both in the classroom and in the collaboration? 
so uh, similarly in those those workshop breakouts, um, I was have been working with a group of teachers on Grace Paley's The Loudest Voice, which is a still relevant piece of literature talking about one really loud Jewish little girls, which I really identified with that take up too much space and need to watch their mouth. And so that was a cathartic read. Um, and But also about how to engage in a world that celebrates Christmas and how to be a Jewish child in a secular Christian world. Um, and the, the responses of her family and the responses of the other Jewish parents uh, at the school to uh, this little girl's role as narrator in this Christmas pageant. Uh, so thinking about my kids, we talk about how they come from multi-faith households every Christmas and throughout the course of the year. And I'm so grateful to be at a school where we celebrate all the members of our children's family and are able to hold them in all the different places that their identities come from and head towards. Um, and this text feels like a really useful place for some of our older students to think about what does what does Christmas mean to them in the world as a Jewish kid? What does it mean for them as uh, as Jews that live in a world where Christmas is celebrated? And some Jews have a hard time with that. Um, what are what are the all the what are their identities and and what do they look like? And how is their historical background for for this experience? Um, so it felt like a very affirming piece. Uh, and the thing that I'm struggling with is what does it mean to bring Yiddishkeit into a school where not all of our children have a relationship with Yiddish or are Ashkenazi uh, or have a sense of that or have family of origin um, from Eastern Europe. And so that's something I'm struggling with, but I think one of the takeaways, even just from um, the loudest voice, learning it here, um, even though it's it's set in New York with uh, you know immigrants who, who speak Yiddish, um, there, there's relevance in that. Um, but so I am grappling with how to make sure that all of the identities of our students are represented and we don't assume, like we talked about today, we don't assume all of, uh, all of our students think a Jew looks like Tevye. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I turn the mic over. <laughs> the, um, I, I think that there's, it's hard to know um, all the legs that the learning that we're doing will carry with us as we proceed. I think that um, uh, some things may seem obvious but maybe aren't so obvious. I, um, the defenders of the faith that you, you had spoken about, Barbara, I, I think could be used um, in a Jewish studies, but it could be used in an English class, but it also could be used to help think about discussions of um, – the wide ranges of opinions that Jews hold about Israel or about even the current um, proposed deal with Iran today and the range of reactions that we see across a spectrum, you could almost see um, the Defenders of Faith is showing a spectrum of reactions about the way we think about uh, the presentation of Jews and is it good for the Jews or not um, in any given situation. And um, so it, I think it can be applicable in in like more context than maybe we know. And the same thing for um, some of the other um, texts that we use, they were so rich that that you can use them in counterintuitive ways. Uh, before the law that I talked about before, we talked about uh, using it not only possibly in a Jewish studies class for a particular piece of Bible, but it could be used in a gender studies class and it can be used in a, you know, on and on to the various uh, ways because it's a, uh, as a parable, it's very rich in possibility. And, and that's part of the, the, 
um, great thing about um, uh, our culture, literary and and visual, and otherwise that that culture oftentimes is not, especially when it's um, uh, something that's bec- already beca- become a classic in a way, um, is something that can be read by different generations and utilized in many different contexts. I would say that um, one of the signatures of my own uh, teaching is that I don't consider any of the um, individual disciplines um, as uh, closed. I think everything is permeable. So as you said, JB, and and, uh, as Ariana said, you know, this is, I, I don't know how, where or how it will be used, but what the the result of my uh, doing a lot of interdisciplinary classes is that I'm not in any one department, so I um, uh, I'll, and that's why I said I teach humanities. I use that as kind of the <laughs> the coverall for the many things I throw into a course. And um, what that means for me, you know, in in general, it means uh, you know being able to reach well beyond any. Um, like narrow or limited use of any text or picture or song or, you know, any, anything. But it also means I'm very isolated in my, uh, I, I don't have department meetings where I bounce ideas around um, because I'm kind of a solo act in some ways. And so one of the things that this, uh, that I'm bringing back with me is how, uh, crucial and inner um, sort of um, stimulating collaboration is um, and how important it is to have many voices in the room just batting the ideas around, uh, not writing the final draft, but uh, composing the sort of outline of the, of the symphony, you know? And I, I, I am reminded of that, and I, that's one of the sort of large things I'm bringing back. Many teachers in other departments, um, and I've watched them do this, you know, collaborate, and you become very adept at it, and you become very uh, dependent on it. And now I understand that, and I'm, I'm going to try and seed my sort of high-wire act uh, and, and really enjoy the pleasures of my colleagues' um, uh, more. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I've, I've been in groups with um, lots of different people. In fact, um, Ariane was talking about the loudest voice. Another group I'm in is doing the loudest voice for, for our big project thing together. So you'll get huge awesome. stuff from that. And, I, and I'm thinking, boy, could we have a great conversation now? And how might I, I didn't think of ways I would use this until you began talking right now. And JB and I are in the, the uh, um, Beyond the Law and that has been before the law, before the law. I wanted it to go beyond the law. <laughs> now I remember my conclusion. Right? Um, but I, that has been mind-blowing for me because while I, um, again, you know, the, one of the great pleasures of teaching, of course, is you, you have some place you're trying to get to in class. And if you listen carefully and if you ask the right questions, you'll begin to think of something that never came to you because they will have led you there. You know, they'll take over and, and, and be in charge. And you say, yes, I, yes, you know. And that's what happened in our group. It was just this wonderful um, uh, sort of 
I was into my music metaphor, into a symphony of voices that really, um, uh, you know, came together. So I'm real excited about getting back into the swim of faculty collaboration. All right. I want to make sure that you get back to class in time before Thank you. Um, before Josh Lambert takes me to task for <laughs> borrowing you. Um, but it will be exciting for us um, as well to watch what you do on the website. I mean, I know the website is the way that you'll follow up, the way that you'll begin to collaboratively develop curriculum. And it will be a great tool, I think, for you as well as for those of us who can, you know, peek in and, and see what's happening there. Um, and it's been really exciting for you to be here um, at the center. It yeah. is, it's great. Um, and I always try to, you know, draw something from it by stealing a peek at the reading list, et cetera. Um, and it's great. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And thank you for being the first participants in um, Great Jewish Book Teacher Workshop. Thank, thank you. you much. It's All a right. pleasure. You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.